0: Garbage. It's part of everyone's life, but not everyone gives it much thought. In fact, some people actively avoid refuse. But the truth is, trash is an industry, and we all take part in it. No one more than the men and women who make sure that all that garbage goes away. Sanitation crews clean up the streets and keep the trash at bay. And while the public may view dealing with trash as a less than desirable occupation... Most workers apparently feel differently.
1: I had assumed that sanitation workers generally did not like people to know what they did for a living. That's true of a few, but there were more people who were quite proud of their jobs as they should be and were happy for anyone to know what they did for a living.
0: That's Robin Nagel, professor of anthropology at New York University and the anthropologist-in-residence for the New York Sanitation Department.
1: It's an extension of our own lack of imagination that some people assume that since the job is difficult and has some aspects of it that we consider negative, that therefore people who have that job also think of it negatively But that's not the case in most instances.
0: Nagel is also author of Picking Up, a book dedicated to the inside story of sanitation workers. She says her devotion to the study of trash began at a young age.
1: I was camping with my father in the Adirondacks, and behind our campsite was a dump where campers just left behind things that they were too lazy to take out with them. Even though they had brought in all of those things, this was way deep in the wilderness. And I was around 10 or so, and I was deeply offended and angry and puzzled and confused. I could not imagine who they thought was going to pick up after them. That was the seed that grew into this project many, many years later.
0: This project ultimately grew into Nagel working on a garbage truck to thoroughly research the position. She says that being on the job taught her just how tough it really is.
1: I learned that... Some of my assumptions about the job were correct, but I didn't know how correct they were. For example, I knew the garbage was heavy, but I had no idea how heavy it feels on your body after you've been out picking up your share of 10 or 15 or in some districts 20 tons day after day after day. So I learned there are aches and parts of me that I didn't know were possible. I also learned that in the affluent neighborhoods of New York City, people throw away really, really good stuff that doesn't look like it in any way would qualify as garbage. But it's on the curb and it's going in the back of the truck, which sort of made me sad.
0: But with so much good stuff getting thrown out, can all of it really be considered garbage? Are there other ways to get rid of items you don't need without them going to the landfill? Sam Schick is an expert, and he says it is possible.
2: One man's junk is another man's treasure. There are reusable things. If you don't have a chair at home and you need a chair, and you happen to go by one of the donation centers and you see a chair that we picked up, well then that's a good thing. People get to use things that maybe they can't afford to buy brand new, especially in recent economy. People enjoy buying some of the things that we're able to donate and things like that.
0: Schick is a franchise operator of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, the largest junk removal company in the world. They take care of items that people no longer need but aren't ready for the trash.
2: We bring them back to our warehouse. We separate and sort whatever we can repurpose. All the metal, the plastic, the paper, all the small little things that donation groups pick up from us. Or along the route, if we come up to a donation center where we can drop things off, we will. We take them to transfer stations, and these transfer stations are licensed to handle this type of debris. And what they do is, after we get done recycling, they also have recycling efforts. So we take them to licensed disposal centers.
0: But despite efforts to recycle or reuse objects, the fact is throwing things away is a big part of our lives. Nagel tries to get her students to realize this by taking part in an exercise.
1: They must keep anything that they would throw away for a 48-hour period. We make that very clear. If it's going to be recycled, you don't have to keep it. If it's waste that you would flush, you don't have to keep it. Let's say you're at a restaurant and they serve you your meal and it's a paper napkin. That paper napkin will be thrown away. You, during those 48 hours, have to hold on to it. You eat a candy bar or have some food on the street that's wrapped in plastic or foil or paper, you must hold on to that. A packaging at home that you would throw away, you must hold on to that. The purpose of the exercise is to help my students understand just how deeply ingrained the practice of discarding has become.
0: And although there are some rules, according to Nagel, most Americans don't consider asking for permission when it comes to dumping unwanted garbage.
1: We almost treat it like a right. We almost treat it like I, as a member of the American public, anything I don't want, I can get rid of very easily by putting it out for collection. There are restrictions on some categories of waste that have to go through special processing, hazardous wastes of various kinds, including hazardous household waste. But for the most part, if I don't want it, I can put it out for collection and I don't have to think about it again.
0: In fact, new research shows that the amount of garbage produced per person may be underreported.
1: The figure that's bandied about most often is four and a half pounds per person per day in the United States of garbage generation. An author named Edward Humes wrote a book called Garbology and he looks pretty closely at those numbers and he says it's closer to 7.1 pounds per person per day on average. And that's taking into account not just your own household waste or what goes in the garbage can at your office or at your job, but also ancillary wastes that exist before we have the commodity in our hand. Disposal is hardwired into the way we live in the modern world, and I think it's one of the most pernicious causes of the environmental mess that we are in now as a planet.
0: With so much trash being generated, sanitation workers and junk haulers have an important job. But Nagel says refuse workers are largely invisible in our society, partly because they're so good at what they do.
1: Because they do the job well enough that the public can take them for granted. They are victims of their own success. They get attention when they miss a stop. Or sometimes in New York, because sanitation also is responsible for clearing snow in the winter, they get attention when they respond either really well or with big problems in snow. And they've only really encountered big problems once in the last many decades. But if they did their job badly, they would get a lot more attention. It would be negative attention. But because they do the job well, it's one of the many systems that keeps a city running well that we get to overlook. We meaning just people living in cities that mostly work smoothly.
0: But this invisibility comes at a cost. Sanitation workers have one of the most dangerous of all municipal jobs, more dangerous than even police and firemen. So what makes this job so dangerous?
1: Sanitation is more dangerous because when people throw things out and those things go into the back of the truck, The hydraulics and the machinery are such that those objects sometimes come catapulting back out, or substances combine in ways that emit toxins, or toxins themselves are thrown out illegally, and then those harm the workers.
0: But dangerous garbage isn't the only formidable opponent of refuse
2: workers.
1: The other primary cause of harm and danger is traffic. Sanitation workers are in and out of traffic all the time. It's what they have to do. And motorists generally are not patient with the truck and are not careful the way they would be with, say, a school bus. And even a school bus, there are very strict laws. Sanitation workers don't get that same consideration because no one considers them quite so fragile, although a human body hit by a car is a fragile thing no matter whose body it is. And also because if you're behind one on the street, that's a nuisance to most motorists. So they tend to be a little less careful in moving around a truck.
0: Despite that, the public doesn't view this job as dangerous. Nagel says there are a couple of reasons why.
1: A gun is a tool that a police officer needs. And a firefighter is responding usually to an emergency of some kind, as police are also. So in other words, they react once the problem is in progress. Sanitation workers are proactive. They step forward to prevent a crisis from happening. And their tools are trucks and gloves and brooms and shovels. There's nothing dramatic in most people's thinking to those tools.
0: But since the job is so hazardous,
1: what's being done to keep workers safe? In New York, the people in charge of the equipment are constantly trying to improve the safety of the vehicle. They are making the sight lines clearer and they're adding mirrors that show you more of what's going on around you. There is a modest campaign right now to get a law passed that would put the same restrictions on passing a collection truck as there are about passing school buses. I think that has a long way to go before it would be adopted, but some people have started to push for that. When you come on the job, part of your training is about how do you stay safe? There are all kinds of regulations imposed on the workers for their own safety, like when they must wear seatbelts. And it's a law that they must wear these bright, reflective, neon-yellow-green vests so that they are more visible in traffic. And all of that is to the good, and none of it is going to be foolproof.
0: Schick says that he also makes sure his workers don't put themselves in dangerous situations.
2: We're really cautious about making sure that our guys know that they're not going to get involved with lifting things that are too heavy for them. So whatever two guys can physically lift and put in the truck, that's what we take. It's brains over brawn type of method. And some of the things like, for instance, think of a piano in a basement. How do you get that out? Well, the secret is they have to get it in in one piece, but to get it out, I can take it out in several pieces. So when I say brains over brawn, my guys will go in and take apart heavy pieces of furniture and move them out piece by piece rather than picking them up and pulling them out of the So we always look at the easiest way to take things out that's within our limits of two guys being able to pick up.
0: Schick says he also prepares his staff emotionally.
2: My guys are going to be polished. They're going to be uniform. They're going to be polite. They're going to be kind. We do sympathy training in a lot of situations where there's a death in the family and we're having to clean out apartments or houses.
0: But despite the dangers these workers face, sanitation jobs are still popular. Applications in New York are actually on the rise. So, what does Nagel hope comes from all her hard work and research?
1: I want sanitation workers, wherever they are, to get positive attention for their work. I don't care if they are in a big city like New York and they're driving the big white trucks, or if they're in a small town and it's a small municipality that is doing that work, or if it's a private carter and it's the people behind the truck working for the private carter, if they're picking up trash. If they are refuse workers, I want them to get thanked.
0: You can find out more information about Nagel's book, Picking Up, on her website, RobinNagel.com, or through a link on our website, RadioHealthJournal.net. You'll also find archives of our shows there, as well as on iTunes and Stitcher. I'm Reed Pence. Today, GEICO's edition of Stuff Found in Your Car Takes Us Under Your Driver's Seat. I'm Penny. I used to think I was lucky, but then you dropped me down here. I get it. I'm only worth a cent. Not like the hundreds of dollars you could save when you switch your car insurance to Geico. That's money you could put in a bank or a wallet. Go ahead. Call Geico. I'll be
2: here on the floor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com today.